thinking about Easter and all that God has done in our lives and for us, I begin to think about real love. And I begin to think about the, the, the question of what really is real love? Some teenagers might think they've already experienced real love, right? Uh, some of us who used to be teenagers are kind of smirking, thinking, yeah, what I thought was real love long ago, not really the same thing. And we realize that there's a fake love. Have you ever, you know, come into contact with somebody who might be not so genuine in their love towards you? And so I, I started to think, and I looked up some details um, about counterfeit money, because I don't know if, have you ever had a counterfeit bill? Not that you've printed them yourself, hopefully. <laughs> but if you, like, at a store, you tried to just give them a 20, and all of a sudden, they're like, this, this is no good. It's not going to work. Um, they've checked it for its accuracy to see if it's real and genuine. They want to see it's authentic. And sometimes that happens. But I looked up the statistic for the Treasury, just for the United States, it says that in the most recent information that they have, they estimate that over $70 million is currently in our economy that is not real. That's a lot of money. When I worked in a bank, we had to confiscate bills like that, send them to the Federal Reserve and stuff like that. And it's really, it really stinks because then you just lose the money. It's not like, can I give you this fake one and get a real one for it? No, you're just out of money. And so we had small business owners who'd come in and they did, you know, here's my deposit of several hundred dollars. And one of those hundred dollar bills was a fake and they had a less deposit as a result of it. It's, it's a huge, um, issue in our society when we just talk about something like that. I thought about some paintings. Maybe you've heard before, but last year there was a very large deal that went down through Sotheby's auction house for a painting that was given at over $670 million. It went through the hands of investigators to be able to make sure that it was authentic, that it was real before its sale. And then after its sale, they had additional people look at it. Turns out they weren't giving the money back either. They had the money and the person who bought the painting didn't buy a real authentic painting. And it's been in the news and they had issues where they tried to sue them and try to get the money back and all those things. But we, we have that issue in our life when we experience things that are not real, that we kind of have a distaste for it. And if you're like me, when it comes to love, I want real love. I think I've found it in two places. One was in Jesus and the next was in my wife who's walking in right now. Let's give her a round of applause, my beautiful wife. Real love, and real love is this, it's not just an emotional sort of feeling, it's a choice. She chooses to love me 10 years in. I would ask this, who's in here that's been married more than 30 years to the same person? <laughs> 30 years, okay? More than 40 years? 45. 50. Almost to 50, though. You're in between 45 and 50. That's amazing. Let's give them a round of applause. You, you stuck with it. More so, I know your story, and stuck with you. <laughs> Amen. The big news of the... <laughs> The big news of the Bible is not that you love God, but that God loves you. The Bible says, it tells us about the scars in his hands that he showed to his disciples. And I like to think of it like this, that he has tattooed your name 
in the palm of his hands. You never leave his mind. You never escape his sight. Even if you think you do, you don't. And you never flee his thoughts. You don't need to win his love. You already have it. He sees the worst of you and loves you still. Your sins of tomorrow, your failings of the future, they won't surprise him. He sees them even now. Every day and deed of our lives have passed before his eyes and been calculated in this decision of his to demonstrate real love. The Bible says that love was demonstrated through the death on the cross in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he chose us when we were ugly, when we were dirty, when we were full of sin, and we still need his help each and every day, amen? He knows you better than you know yourself, and he has reached his verdict. He loves you still. There's no discovery that will disillusion him and no rebellion. I want you to hear these words. No rebellion that will dissuade him. He loves you with an everlasting love, a love that's never failing, never ending. It's never going to stop. It's never going to expire. It's always pursuing and absolutely incredible in every single way. This morning, I want to share with you a few passages of scripture as we talk about real love. The first will be on the screen for you. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word there, that long word that you've maybe not heard before is in the Bible. It means the full payment for all of our sins. He, he's not, have you ever been in a store and, you, and they said, oh, it's $6.02 and they said, oh, don't worry about the pennies. It's a nice thing. It's a, it's a great gesture. Here's the deal. He has paid more than enough for all of us and all of our sin. This was written in 1 John by John the disciple. It was written by a man who calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. In John chapter 21, he's talking about himself as he's writing. And if you're not familiar, you should know. John writes the gospel according to John. He writes Revelation. And he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is a disciple who walked with Jesus. And when he says in John chapter 21, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I've got to imagine he was enraptured in the thought of, I can't believe this guy loves me. He's lived with me. I've lived with him. He's seen all of my junk. He knows my doubts. He's seen my fear on my face. He's been with me in my good days and my bad days when I've had a bad attitude or when when I had a good attitude, he's seen all of that, and yet he still loves me. This was close to the heart of John. In fact, in 1 John, you can look in that section of scripture. In 1 John alone, the word love occurs 26 times in like five chapters of the Bible because he's just consumed with this thought that love, real love, makes a real difference. Amen? 
So he's pleading with believers in this passage of scripture, and he says, I want you to love one another. He makes this revolutionary statement in the passage that we just read in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So he can be defined by this single term, this single word. And yes, the world has really botched it up. They have royally messed it up. Because if you watch TV, you see people who say they fell in love and they fell out of love. If you're like my grandmother, God bless her, she is in heaven, I believe, today. She was on her seventh trial of love, her seventh husband, when she passed away. Something, you know, at some point, now that I'm older, I could say this, at some point, you've got to look in the mirror and wonder, hey, really? Is it just them? Or is there something else going on here? Right? And I say, Grandma, I hope she can hear me today. I love you. But it says here that God is love. And although the world has really, really messed that up, and our understanding of what love is or can be, There's no one like our God and no love like his. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 5. We start in verse 5 and we'll go through verse 11. It's a significant passage to think about as the Apostle Paul writes to a church that's meeting in Rome. He hasn't been with them yet, but he's saying, I can't wait to be with you. Here's a letter that's just going to get you charged up and know all the details that you should know about faith and about life in Christ. Here's what he says in verse 5. He says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Verse 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore... We have now been justified by his blood. Much more, it says. Much more. Man, this is so powerful. We have got to see how incredible this is. It says, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Wow. God's love truly is incredible, given to each and every one of us. Verse 10 continues, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that. So on top of that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The truth of the matter is, is that God's love is not fake. It's authentic and it's real. It was a choice that supersedes and surpasses our emotions of the day. There have been times in our marriage where maybe she didn't feel like I loved her or I felt like she didn't love me or we butted heads or we had issues or we had an argument of some sort. Love is a choice that goes beyond all of those things and real love, the real love that comes from God is something that can motivate you. In fact, it's a transformative gift. If someone walked in here today and gave you a million dollars, we talk about money, it's, it could change your life, right? If you got a million dollars, think about what you would do with it. Tithe is what you're supposed to say, okay? Tithe. 
But if you got a million dollars, it would transform your life, would it not? It would transform your life. You're thinking already, yeah, I could fix my roof. I could do this. I could give to my aunt. I could do this. I could do that. Like you would have probably a million different things that you could give and help and be part of. Something for others and something for yourself. And that's important. God's love is transformative even beyond that. What he gives us is priceless and has, although it has a great cost, it costs us nothing. It's the greatest gift of all, and it's been given for all. It's a gift without limit or expiration, and God's love produces love for him and love for others. His love does not depend on you. Amen? His love does not depend on your obedience. I tell my daughters, and I've said this frequently and often from this platform, I tell them and I say, Daddy loves you no matter what. It doesn't matter if they come home with a bad grade. It doesn't matter if they have some issue in their life. It doesn't matter. I love them no matter what. And with all of my heart, I will love them till the day they die, even if they choose to not do the things I want them to do. Even in the midst of their disobedience, I love them regardless. We have got to have that same sort of understanding of what God's love is inside of our own heart. His love does not grow over time. It's permanently fixed at 100%. There's, there's no way to decrease the amount of love that he has for you through what you do or don't do. And there's no way for you to increase it either. That's why there's this struggle that's mentioned in scripture about whether it's about faith or if it's about works. It's about both. It's about you having faith and trusting God and loving him. And when his love comes in, it transforms your life and changes what you do literally in every area of your life. So his love is not based on our obedience. Somebody say amen. Amen. His love does not dissipate. It is a gift that can be wasted when not shared. So I have two questions today. And really they, they apply to different people in the room. But I have two questions for you today. The first is this. Have you received God's real love. According to John chapter three, I like this conversation. If you've ever slipped into a conversation like halfway through and you had to have some explanation to like, wait, what are you guys talking about? And you've done that kind of thing. I wanna show you what happens in John chapter three. Jesus is meeting with a guy named Nicodemus. We'll just call him Nick. He's there and he's asking questions of Jesus. He's a little bit fearful because of people who he knows and know him. They maybe wouldn't want him to be talking to Jesus. So he slips into this conversation with Jesus and we find ourselves quoting the verse, John three sixteen from that passage of scripture when Jesus is replying to him and he's telling him about this life and this love. In John chapter three, verse 16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So when we say that love is not a mere emotional feeling, it's a choice, we've got to make the choice to receive God's love. It really is simple. It's absolutely a simple process. All we have to do is declare our acceptance 
of his love. Believe on him and have everlasting life. There is a lot of work that's involved after that first choice because he wants to invade every area of your life. He wants to redeem every area of your life. He wants to transform and change every area of your life. But when we believe on him, that's the first step. All future choices will be shaded by this single choice. Me choosing Christ in my life is more important than the job I have, than the person I'm married to, than literally every other choice I could ever make. The single most important choice that we have in this life is the choice of accepting God's real love. The second question is this, and this is for a a different group of people. It's for those who are believers in the room already. And the question is this, are you sharing his real love with others? Because a gift like this can be wasted if it's kept to ourselves. And there are many believers who treat it as if they're secret agents. (laughs) They're going through this life and they're not really talking about what impact faith has made in God and God alone and what he has done to be able to help them through the hard times and been with them in the good times. It's those sorts of conversations that we ought to have with those who we love. And the Bible says we ought to even share it with those we don't. If God loved you while you were yet his enemy, then how much more so do we hear the words of Jesus echoing through the pages of scripture and throughout all of history, him saying those words, love your enemies. This is a challenge to each one of us. So are we sharing this real love with others? He wants us to share this hope that we have with the world around us. And many of us are guilty of living silently. There's this thought that has pervaded the church many years ago. And it was this, I've got neighbors and I'm gonna live a good Christian life before them. They're never gonna hear me say a bad word. They're always gonna see me treat my wife the right way. They're gonna this, they're gonna that. And maybe I'll invite them to church five years from now. That's kind of how some people People have treated it, but here's what I want to tell you today with some passion in my heart. We have got to share the hope of the gospel with those who are hurting. He's a healer who can heal a broken heart. He can mend emotional issues. He can help people in every area of their life. And for God's sake, he can save them and change their life for the better. So we should not keep this to ourselves. Amen. This is the greatest news on earth that's ever been lived, spoken, or heard. So we should not keep it to ourselves. You might think, Oh, I don't have time at the water cooler at work. Oh, I don't have time at my job. Oh, I don't have, but you do have moments that God gives you what I call a divine appointment where there's just a break in conversation and it leads you to the place of saying, well, you know what? Actually, I used to struggle with something like that, but I got prayed for and God healed me or I this and God has been walking me through this journey. Whatever it is, you can share in just a brief moment of time the impact that God has made in your life and it literally could change the life of someone else. I love hearing the story about how the one preacher spoke to a crowd of Sunday school boys and that crowd of Sunday school boys, one of them grew up to then be somebody who shared his faith with someone else and then five or 10 down the road, all of a sudden, Billy Graham is sitting in an audience somewhere as a boy receiving the message of the gospel. 
He's in heaven at that celebration already. He's been partying it up now for a couple weeks. He's celebrating up there. Millions of people's lives are changed, not just because of Billy Graham, but because of the Sunday school teacher, 20 generations or 10 generations before him, who chose and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to go and I'm going to speak this hope to others. So if we've got the greatest news, don't shut up about it. Somebody gave me $150,000 twice in my life, not for my own pocket, but for the church and for the ministries that we've been in. I can assure you, I have told everyone that will listen to me the story about God's provision. Why? Because that builds their faith. It helps them know that God really does care about what's happening, even in Clinton, Mississippi. He cares about what's happening in your own life and in your own home. So in those moments of victory that you experience, share the love, the real love that you have and share it with others. When asked the greatest commandment of all, Jesus replies this in Matthew 22. He says these words in verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? In verse 37, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, And with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40 says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So this guy who's having a conversation with Jesus, he basically is asking him, hey, listen, if there's one thing I got to do, what's that one thing? And Jesus says, it's not one, it's two. But literally all of scripture is wrapped up in this single thought. These two things are undeniably interconnected. One expresses the other. When I've experienced his real love in my heart and in my life, then I will be able to share that love with others and love my neighbor as I love myself. And that, that involves anyone. Neighbors are not just those with the address next door. It's those who we come into contact with, whether it be our barista at Starbucks, whether it be a coworker, whatever it is, even our enemies are included and lumped in to that neighbor idea. So we've got to share his love with others. I really want to challenge you. I want to ask you, heart to heart, eyeball to eyeball, if you have received the love of Christ, then share it. And if you've never received it, I want to give you that opportunity today to receive it. So would you do me this favor? Would you stand with us today? In this next moment of worship, while they play this last song, I just want you to think about the commitment that you'll make today. If that commitment is that you say, you know what, pastor, it could be that you're like the prodigal who's been away from home in a pigsty. He's he's been off, squandered all his money, spent it on the worst of the worst, did the worst of the worst deeds you could do. And then he comes home and he says, just if I could just get under my daddy's roof again, I'd be able to just be a servant or a slave in the house. And yet his dad on the front porch is looking for him daily, regularly, waiting, anticipating for that moment for him to come home. Today might be that very moment for someone in this room to come home. He loves you regardless of the sin you've committed and the places of pain that you have and the hurt that you hold. He loves you beyond all of that stuff and he wants to change every part of you. 
So make one of those two commitments today as we sing this worship song and I'll close in a prayer in just a moment. But I want you to right now, just close your eyes. Think about the gift of the cross and the empty tomb that Jesus is no longer here, but he's risen. And in that, he has demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he still chose us. So the, the question is, will you choose him today? With every eye closed, I wanna ask you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I haven't experienced his real love, or I am that prodigal who has walked away and I haven't been living in the love that he's given me. Would you just raise your hand wherever you're at in this room? Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. The Bible clearly dictates that all we must do is believe in him, accept his love, profess his love in our heart and in our life, and allow his access to every part of our heart. So I wanna pray with those that raise their hand right where you're at in your seats. And I'd like the whole congregation to pray this prayer with me. It's really simple. Repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I confess my need for a savior. I accept your love. I believe that you are the son of God, that you died for me, and that you raised to life again. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my problems. And I give you all of my sins. Forgive me and wash me today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. let's celebrate that. Thank you, Lord. If you have made a decision today and you do not have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one before you leave today. You can see Meg. We want you to know that there are some steps that you should take immediately after, that there's no magic in that prayer that's prayed. The, the real change happens in the choice that happens tomorrow when we wake up and we choose his love over all the other yeah. stuff. Amen. And we continue to walk in that way. Now, for those of you who are believers in the room, which is everybody at this point, I want to ask you this. Will you commit today to share his love with someone this week? You don't have to do it today, but just say, in the next seven days, I will do my best with God's help. Put your hand up right here to say, I'm going to share something about my love and my faith in God. Lord, I pray a blessing on our church today as we celebrate Easter together and as we celebrate a few who have come home to be with you today. Lord, I thank you for the believers in this room with hands lifted high, declaring that they will share this life-changing hope and this real love with others this week. Lord, I pray a blessing on them. Give them open doors of conversation to be able to communicate your word and the love that you have for the world. Lord, we thank you for this love that you've given to each one of us. It's been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And God, we're so grateful. Thank you that Jesus is no longer here, but he's risen from the grave. Amen. Let's celebrate today.